actually um, uh, emptied out uh, a good portion of our bank account here at the church, and we just felt like God wanted us to sow a seed. And so we uh, sowed into Lou Engel. We sowed into John and Beth over in Uganda. We sowed into uh, in, you know, a, traffic, a human trafficking ministry downtown that we partnered with. And then there, we felt like we were supposed to partner with the church that was downtown, and it was Derek and Shatisha. And so we were just enjoying them, and uh, we were having breakfast the other day, and um, some things just emerged. And so I'd like you guys to give a Columbus Zion welcome to Derek and Shatisha Williams. Come on up here, guys. We've got fun. Morning, you guys. You're gonna fall in love with them. <laughs> good. I know we did. Well, good. Well, welcome, guys. And so uh, I feel like we're on the Tonight Show here, so or something here. Should have watched some Jimmy Fallon. I don't know. He's got some funny stuff, so we're not gonna do all that. But um, hey, glad you guys are joining us here. And uh, Mary is uh, she's in London uh, right now, and so. Uh, I don't know what she's doing over there, but she's over there working on her accent. I don't know. And so, <laughs> and so that's why she's not up here with me. But we are so excited to have you guys here. And uh, thanks for leaving your church on a Sunday and uh, such short notice as we get to all that stuff here in a second. So, um, you know, God's really just connected us here. And uh, you guys are not just pa- uh, pastors. You're also foster parents, uh-huh. uh, which is very exciting. So could you just tell us a little bit about that, just kind of your history with foster care, how you guys got into that? And so... I imagine you'll just probably take turns on some of these things here. Oh, the questions I gave you, I've rearranged them a little bit, so I'm so sorry. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> well, Shatisha, will you, uh, you want to go ahead and start? Yes. Um, I'm just excited to be here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Um, yes, we've been pastors for about seven years or so, and um, going into our eighth year, but um, we've been fostering um, for about seven years as well. And um, I don't know, my mom, um, she has, she, has, she oh, can't even talk, she has such a big heart. <laughs> and um, it's six of us, three girls and three boys. And she ended up raising three other kids that wasn't her own. So it was a total of about one time, about 10 of us in the house. And wow. um, can you imagine New York City? <laughs> In one bedroom, well, no, actually, I take that back. Three bedroom, one bath, um, raising 10 kids. So um, I kind of grew up in um, in it a little bit. So when I got older, um, I desired to take care of um, kids that um, did not, did I, that I didn't birth. And um, so um, we was looking into adoption, adopting. Um, my husband and I, we don't have kids um, of our own. And um, a friend of mine said, well, why don't you look into foster care? So then um, we decided to do that. And then um, and as soon as we got licensed, the day that we were signing paperwork, they had a kid for us. I was like, wait a minute, hold on, slow up. Class just what are you ended, doing? now we got a kid in the house, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, can you give us a week, you know? So, um, but it happened really, really fast. You wanna share more? Yeah, well, that's awesome. Uh, my wife also had a, a vision of, as a young lady, of having uh, multiple different ethnic background children. And uh, it stuck with her. And when we were dating in Bible college, she shared that with me. And, and my heart has always it's been for the boys. It's always been for young men. And, and, and uh, of course, I was a young man myself. And the challenges I had as a kid, um, as I grew and, and met the Lord and 
and these layers came off of my life and how God came alive in me and, and it just totally transformed everything about me. I said, Lord, I want that and I want to share that with other people that came from certain backgrounds that were similar to mine. So just hearing her, her uh, what the Lord spoke to her as a child, saying that she wanna, she's going to have a multiple different ethnic background of children. And the Lord spoke to me about, uh, you know, going back into those areas that were, that were his, his name is not known and his influence is not there. And, and just leading young men to the Lord, I said, yes, God, that, that's definitely for me. Boldly go where no one's gone before. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when I saw that up there, I said, wow, that, that speaks so much of what, what we do here. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tisha, can you just tell the one story of, uh, I think, the, the first boy you had in your home and uh, when you're on the phone, the tongues? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I was like, which one? Okay. <laughs> so, um, we had... Um, this is, it's, I just love this story. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, little Austin, he was just a cute little... 30-year-old um, and um, just full of life and um, the trauma you wouldn't believe just looking at him that he has you know experienced so much trauma um, physically mentally and sexually abused um, as a child from five years old and up and um, and then what happens is typically when um, kids are abused they get older and they end up abusing others so um, he was in our home and, you know, we're new to this. So we're like, okay, we want to do everything right, <laughs> right? They're telling us if anything pop off, as you would say, you know, jump off <laughs> to contact, you know, the therapist, let them talk to them to kind of calm them down. So he's just having a, a crisis, a moment and just going off. And so I called the therapist and, um, and I'm like, okay, he's here. You know, she's talking to him and saying, Austin, Austin, calm down. Austin doesn't hear anything, you know? He's just in another world. So he's one, he's getting very violent at that time. He's punching um, the air and want to punch himself. And then he started cussing. So, um, and big, bad cuss words, you know? <laughs> so I was like- He was fluent in it. He oh, was yeah. very fluent, yeah. yes, very fluent. <laughs> So I was like, okay, I know what I'm work I know what I'm dealing with right now. So I hung the phone up. So <laughs> so as she was talking, I said, click. And then I started praying in the Holy Ghost and started rebuking the enemy. Um, that the because I seen the enemy was trying to, you know, attack him and take over. So I just started rebuking the enemy and um, praying and, and just and the Lord just, you know, caused that devil to be gone in Jesus' name and cast out. And next thing you know, she calls me back and, you know, trying to see what's going on. So he's already calm and, and she's talking to him. He's like, okay, Austin, I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. And he's like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So every question, you know, she's asking him, he's saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And she's like, okay. You know, so, um, so, and she said, okay, I'll talk to you later. And then he went to bed and rested. You know, some of these kids, they have so much trauma. And, and because of that trauma, it caused a lot of demonic entities and um, things to attack them. And especially if they're not around um, the word of God and those that know the word of God, you know, and bringing them to church, um, they're, they're, vessels are open for anything yeah. so i'm glad that god was able to use me but he didn't know what happened he was just like yes lord so <laughs> <laughs> yeah one moment just just one encounter with god it just saved maybe three hours of trying to de-escalate his emotions mm -hmm. 
and just to introduce the Father into the situation. The Holy Spirit just, just grabbed a hold of his heart and immediately brought him down to calmness. And he went to bed and slept like a baby the rest of the night. Amen. That's so Amen. good. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you need to send some of your kids over to Derek? And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. That's Amen. beautiful. Amen. Now, you guys, you don't just uh, take in, uh, boys, you take in some of the toughest cases. It's, it's the ones. So could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. The young, young men we work with, um, they're considered to be more like a, a DYS or, or prison Young men, uh, they that don't. What's the DYS stand for? Uh, de uh, detention Youth Services. Okay. Uh, it's for young kids that really have uh, real difficult behavior issues or oppositional defiance, or maybe have different uh, uh, schizophrenia or borderline uh, personality, just different things they struggle with mentally. And we get the boys in our home, and we're considered a, uh, a, a trauma or partial hospitalization home. Uh, so it's not quite a foster home, but it's not treatment. locked up. So we're like there, right there in the middle where- Treatment. Yeah, treatment, where they're, they're, we're really hands-on with them 24 hours. So these young men, all their life, they've been heard, they've been told they are what they did. You are a thief, you are a liar, you are a rapist, you are a murderer. Whatever they have been convicted of, they wear those like badges on their sleeves and on their clothes. So when they come into our house, they already know that we got a foul on who they are. And, and so when they come in, already knowing that the foster parents have already read up on who they are. So the thing that we love to do in our home is to say, yeah, that's what you've done, but that's not who you are. So the foul doesn't tell me who you are. So th th this is the beauty about this, because they come in with this tough, all these layers like an onion, just so much on them. They come in putting up guards and stop signs all around their heart and their emotions. And when you can get past all of that and see the child, that's when the child grows. Now you actually have a background. Yeah, praise God. You, yep, you can clap. <laughs> no, it's so good. It's about to get gooder. It's about to get gooder. <laughs> so uh, you actually have a background in helping people de-escalate from uh, working. Can you just talk a little bit about that and what your nickname was? Uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> I worked in the uh, the state of Ohio uh, prison system. Um, I was an officer. I was also on SRT, which are which is our SWAT team in the prison. Uh, we go into uh, uh, prisons and uh, maybe there might be a riot. We bring we bring closure to that or any type of escape or any type of contraband that's in different prisons, we go into that. Some of y'all may have seen Locked Up, the guys with all black on go in. I was chilled, man. They used to call me the right hand of God. <laughs> and and I, don't, I, I don't know if you can, if you can picture this. I, I know I got this big that's smile. That's like a superhero name or yeah, something. You know, that's amazing. It, I mean, I got this big smile. I'm, I'm real gentle. Uh, but yet, I'm probably one of the toughest guys that was in the in the prison system. As far as I could probably whoop my whole team's butt at one time. <laughs> so, so with that mentality, you would think that I would go in and really wreak havoc and bring you know order and everything with physical strength. But I used to go into situations and with my words bring a problem down to closure. I had the least amount of use of force in my. Uh, as far as on the SRT throughout the whole state of Ohio. 
So they called me the right hand of God. So when they, they saw that I was a part of the team, they all used to take their stuff and throw it. We're not about to do anything today. We got past, you know, right hand of God. He's going to bring the situation down with no, no type of physical trouble. So, and I really took pride in that. And, and the thing that I used to do, if, if there's an inmate that was acting out in the cell or for whatever reason, I would go down there and I would personally talk to him. Hey, I'm Officer Williams. I'm the first person in. I'll be on the shield. I'll have my team behind me. Whatever the words came out of their mouth was right back at me. And, and I would talk to him. Hey, man, I'm not here for all that. I just want to talk to you. And never mind what they're saying, I've always kept this voice right here. You'll be amazed what it does to them because it automatically brings them down to here. Because if you're, you're up here and they're up here, they're not listening to you. It's a shout match, and he's getting worked up, and it gets more physical. But I keep it right here, bring him down, and I listen to the issue. It may be something like simple as a bar of soap that he didn't get two days ago that he still asked for. And, and when you talk to them to the actual need and say, okay, we're going to address this, but for now I need you to handcuff up and come sit over here and we'll talk to my captain, and then we're going to make sure you get the things that you need. And you'll, you'll be amazed how much peace comes in their heart. And they'll do exactly what I say every time. It's amazing. So good. And so, um, you know, just, I think it's just an amazing background that God had you in for just working with these kids and, uh, and, and combining that experience with, uh, with the spiritual side. And so um, just talk to us about some of the boys that you uh, have brought into your home and just kind of some of the effect that's happened and then maybe kind of the before and afters. And just tell some stories about some of the kids that have been in your home. Okay. Um, we just realized, you know, that regardless of their backgrounds um, or the experience, they're people, you know. Um, even like um, he was discussing, even in the prison system, they're people in the prison system. And... Um, some of them are wrongly accused and some of them are rightly accused, but um, it's so important that we have a love for humanity. So when we um, started doing foster care, um, it really touched the heart in terms of wanting to help as many kids as we possibly can. Um, and I would, in the United States, there's over 600,000 kids in foster care all across our nation. And that's a huge number and um, Ohio is part of that number. And um, so we would take the tough kids, you know, they would call us and tell them, tell us what's going on with them. You know, some of them had bipolar, some of them were schizophrenic. Um, you know, we had one kid, he came in and um, heavily medicated um, and um, he um, didn't believe in God, didn't wanna believe in God, you know, had no desire to know God. And of course, we go to church. <laughs> We're pastors, so we go to church and, and we disclose that and the agency disclose that very quickly. Well, they go to church, is that okay? You know, and they say okay, but they, once they get there, like, man, we're here three times a week. <laughs> Sunday, um, Bible study and prayer, right? So they're like, oh, okay, we're always in church. But anyway, um, um, I grew up, you know, from in New York City. We was sometimes a revival for 
it didn't end, you know. <laughs> Every night we was in revival. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, what's going on? And we kept, you know, they, they called it a revival. I don't know if it was really a revival, but we was in church every day, so... Um, but you Revival's these... catchier than saying church every day. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so they would come and get a new um, um, idea and um, thought process of what church looks like to them. And um, once again, they didn't believe in God, but um, the kids that we have fostered, every last one of them have accepted Jesus. It's amazing. You know, and they, they was atheists. They didn't, amen. We give God glory for that. Um, um, I believe all of them got baptized, all except maybe one or two that maybe have been baptized before. Um, some of them received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, it was just phenomenal. So we had one kiddo, I'm going to, um, in particular, Lee, he had, he was on, he was highly medicated. And once again, he loved the Lord though. We introduced God to him. We was in a training class and one of the teachers said to us and to everyone that was in the class, they said, the greatest thing that you can give a kid is an opportunity to know God. And when I heard that, that really stuck to me because there's, you know, a lot of kids, they don't know God. They don't know who Jesus is, you know. So we made sure that we gave them that opportunity, whether they rejected it or accepted it is up to them. So um, he received God and, and loved God, but then he stopped, stopped taking his medication. So um, sometimes you do have to take medication. Um, and he stopped taking his medication. Then he had like a mental breakdown. He was actually in um, the hospital for a couple of weeks. Um, um, but then he got back on his medication. And um, I think he, what it was, he was trying to stop it. But he, you, have, you can't it. just stop cold turkey. You have to go through that process. And um, he had to get back on the medication to get everything back in line. So to make a long story short, um, he did graduate from high school and and had some struggles with transitioning from um, into adulthood. Um, but he did get back off his medication, but he did it right that time. And um, now he's in the um, Army, and he's stationed in Minnesota. So he's doing extremely well. He loves the Lord, um, and God has brought him. He, we had him for five years. Yeah. This, this same young man, when we first got him, see, see graduation is, is like, to us, it's like, wow, okay. Or, or the army, oh, wow, that's wonderful. But to a kid who has never thought anything of his life, I mean, he, the stories he used to tell me, you know, that he would sleep in his bedroom and, and uh, the rain would be raining in his room, on him in the room. Can you imagine your ceiling open and, and the water from the, the sky is just falling on you? So the different stuff that he had to struggle with on day-to-day -day, uh, just to survive, he didn't think much of his life for no one else. And then when he heard he was going to be living with a pastor, his expression was a pastor, was his father-in-law that used to beat him, physically abuse him, and, and knock sense, what he called knocking sense in him, but he was knocking uh, more fear into him, if anything. So his, his idea of a loving God was a God that, that whoops you and abuse you. So... What do, you think his, what, do you, what do you think he thought of me as a pastor? So he said, okay, I'll go and I'll go be with this pastor. But the thing that he didn't realize is that he was going to be with the father, the real father, a good father. That's the songs we were singing. And, 
And this, this really opened him up to not only the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but real expressions of the love of God. And those things, those, that bullying, that physical, that nobody's going to ever hurt me again attitude he used to have, it was all dismantled. And we, have, we have got a chance to love that little boy that was stuck for about five to six years of his life, stuck mentally and emotionally, lived in an invisible suitcase, which means he, he would show up in your house. You didn't know what he was carrying, Every, all the baggage from the hurt from yesterday. And, and to see him let that go and see him grow. I mean, well, you would talk to him, and you would talk, and he'd be like this when we first met him. But if you see him right now, he's probably one of the livest persons that you would ever meet. <laughs> His personality just came so alive. And, and, so and, good. and God marked him, marked his heart five years ago. And this man is, when I tell you he's on fire, he's right now in the army. You see him leading prayer services with his friends. And, you know, just to see what God done when he put his hand on his life through our life. It's amazing. Amen. It's amazing. And so in your home, I think you have five kids right now? We have four, four boys four, right four now. Four boys. And so you take between four and five kids, in, which is amazing. And so um, one of the things that just impressed me is how you talked about how your older boys kind of disciple them or the ones who have been mm-hmm. here longer. Can you just talk a little bit about that? I, I just love that. Yes. The, the thing that we, we do with our boys is we, we pretty much, we, when they first come in, the first one, we disciple him and we give him structure and, and order. You'll be surprised how many kids really need that structure. It's not about here's the keys and drive the car wherever you want. They want to they have boundaries because boundaries is create a safe zone for them. And safety is when they can grow and mature. So we, we'll have this young man, we'll bring him up, and he becomes a leader in a home. And then when a new kid comes in, we don't even have to say anything. This, our older kid will go back and disciple the young one. He'll teach him the boundaries, the things that are yes, things that are no, things that he can assist him with. Because ultimately, he wants to see success for that new kid coming in. So it's almost like he's paying it forward. He has empathy for the one that, that's coming in and where he's at emotionally and physically. And he wants to see him safe and see him, see him thrive in an environment as well. So we allow that older one to disciple the young one. And, and, and the young one receives from the older one way more than he will ever receive from us. Because they look to their peers. It's amazing. And so uh, you guys have been doing this for seven years and, had, you know, had multiple kids and just lots of those awesome stories. I mean, all of them getting to say that's just amazing. Um, but it seems like uh, as we were talking over breakfast, God was putting a dream in your heart or had, had it on your heart before we, we had breakfast a couple weeks ago to kind of expand this. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now your home is already a, a model for Ohio for how, to, how these kids come in and in just the roughest of rough situations and they're just changed young men. And so... The state of Ohio, they've got their eye on this home. And so Derek and Shetisha, um, God's just kind of put on your heart to expand this. And so um, can you just talk a little bit about that process? I, I remember that we went, we went to a training at the state of Ohio, one of the institutions. And when my wife and I went into the room, we noticed that there was some information on the back wall. It was about us. And, and I'm like, <laughs> I've never been here in my life. But they got I told our, you, they're omnipresent. They, they're everywhere. <laughs> they had our house like bullseyed. Like, this is the family you want to go to with any kid. 
and, and to hear that not only from them, but it's echoing throughout the, the different counties that are surrounding Franklin County and the different social workers that, that, that are always checking to see if our house uh, is open for a young man to come in. And it's just mind blowing to see that type of reaction that we, we're doing something right. We got yeah. it right. And, and the thing is, it's so simple. It, when I say it's simple, it's because people make things so hard. We have to bring the kid to him. And when we did that, we said, Lord, we're going to make our house uh, the living word brought to life for these kids. I mean, I'm not going to change it. The same love that you love me, that I pour out to my people, that I pour out to my community, I'm going to take that same authentic love I'm going to love these children with that same love, with all of my heart, you know, with all of my strength, you know, my mind, my will, my emotions, all of that makes up who I am, that same expression I love you with, God, that I love my wife with, that I love my natural family with, that I love the person that's crying out for Jesus right here on the altar. I'm going to take that same love, and I'm not going to judge whatever comes in my house, but I'm going to love them through that. And watch that diamond grow. That model has been so effective to it for us. Amen. And, you know, realizing that our home can, you know, um, is limited on how many kids we can um, have at one time. Um, you know, it seems like at one time we was getting calls every week. Do you have an open bed? Do you have an open bed? Do you have an open bed? And I'm like, no, we don't. And they're, they're caseworkers. And, and those that may be involved in um, casework or know anything about it, there's a process. You're actually supposed to contact the agency. Then the agency um, sees and, you know, and decides if this home is available. Or, um, and they contact us. But they was, you know, not even going protocol way. They was, you know, going, coming directly to us. Um, the caseworkers, and then they're just they're from all over, from all different counties. Um, they was coming directly to us and asking us, "Do we have an open bed?" And then we realized that you know we need help. <laughs> we yeah. need help because we can't do it in our home um, because of the limitation we have for the number. So we need to look outside the box and um, and see what else we can do to help these kids on a larger scale. Um, you know, it's one thing about praying, and it's good to pray because the Bible says men ought to always pray, amen, and not to faint. Um, but then it also um, is good to have a solution to, to for that prayer, you know, for God to give you a solution, for God to give That's you good. an answer um, from that prayer. And I truly believe what um, God laid on our heart um, to help um, the city of Columbus is the solution for Ohio is the solution yeah. for our city. Can I say one thing yeah, there? We were, we were sitting in my living room and uh, my, one of our sons was sitting right there and he had a, a case, his caseworker and another worker right there and they were kind of talking about the different homes that are in Ohio. And they both said to the young man that this is not the normal, my house. And right then my heart began to break, like, why is it not the normal? Yeah. Something's wrong if how we do it is not the normal. That tells you that a system needs help, yeah. that, that what we have cannot be the apex of how you love a child. So that's part of 
us stepping out and saying, yes, God, we got to, we got to have more beds. We got to get more space. We got to get more disciples. We got to get more people with that same burning passion that we have in our heart to see lives of these young men and women change. Some of them are going to be doctors. Some are going to be lawyers. So there's so much potential in these young men that, that is untapped into, uh, but it's hidden behind all those scars and fear and abuse and everything else, allegations, the things that people spoke over them that they believed, that they walk around and carry it like badges of honor on their, on their garments. There's got to be more. Yeah. And so at breakfast, uh, you guys were just kind of sharing your hearts, and I was getting tractor beamed in, man. My heart was, my heart was beating. And so I kept priding you guys. I'm like, I know there's more in there. What are you guys, what are you guys thinking? I know you guys are strategic. And so um, they shared how they, uh, there's a 40-bed um, nursing home that uh, went up for sale. It appraised for around $500,000. And uh, they showed up at the sheriff's sale, and they had a whole strategy. You know, you don't want to, you know, for the bidding and this and that. You don't want to look too obvious. And uh, they didn't need any of that. They were the only ones who showed up at the uh, sheriff's sale. <laughs> And so, uh, <laughs> Pastor, this lovely woman over here, I'm telling you, she is something else when it comes to willing and, and making a deal go through. You do not want to negotiate against Shatisha. She, she, she was, she's a strong closer. And <laughs> don't let it fool you. She got that smile, but no. She got you, didn't she? Yeah, man, she, she strong me so, she closed me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, women, I did. You know, he's, <laughs> he wanted to change the subject. I'm sorry, since he brought it up, you know. Um, Prophesied to him. To Keep date, going. He wanted to date me, and I said to him, um, I don't just date to date. If we're dating, we're dating to get married. That is the end result of this. <laughs> and if you're not looking towards that end, we, we don't need to continue to talk or date. Or we had, I had that standard right then. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That'll make you make a decision quick. So he quick. got checked real quick, okay? Nah, in a good way, though. But I was like, no, He's like, no, I just no. wanted to get some coffee. What's yeah. happening here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I laid it on him thick. I got, I got to throw my hat in there to get a cup of coffee. But, oh, man, yeah. But she's, she's well worth, worth everything oh, and yeah. much more. That's good. But, but the, I said that because she, she's the one that comes up with the, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I'm just sitting there, uh-huh, okay, yeah, honey. Yeah. See, my, 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 my authority, it ends on Sunday, and then I'm back in line on Monday with my honey-do list. And, and, and I fall right in line and do that list on the time that she says, but she put together a, 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 a something. She said, Derek, I want you to go in there and, and you're going to sit on this side of the room and I'm going to sit over here and, and then if someone else bid, I want you to bid. And, and, and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to keep up with this. Okay, when I bid, when I bid. <laughs> and then when I, we went into the room and, and, and saw that there was no one else that lift their hand, I was like, Phew. this was the easiest work I ever done. And so the opening bid was for $145,000, and um, they got it for $145,000. So that's, that's really good news. Problem is they don't have $145,000 <laughs> yet. And so uh, I was just listening to this, and I just really, uh, and so I, like, I, I want to hear more about it. And so they actually have a, a business plan that they wrote up, 
And uh, so just as a leadership team with our finance team, with staff, we've uh, just kind of done our due diligence on this thing. And so because once the building's bought, everything's funded. Uh, you know, the state funds everything. So it's just a matter of getting the building. And I, I love the heart of taking what there ha- what's happening in the home and then uh, and having more beds, having more beds to do it where you guys could run it, you guys could shape the culture of it. And so uh, it's 40 beds. It's, um, is it 40 or is it 40 plus? I can't 40-ish. How many? 48. 48 beds. And uh, there's an indoor basketball court. There's a building uh, mm-hmm. on there. There's a school building uh, right mm-hmm. on there. So they would do school online. It's out in Thornville. There's not a lot of trouble you can get out in Thornville. Uh, so picture 20 minutes past Pickerington out there. And uh, it's a neat property. And um, actually, we've got a, a video of the property. So could we... We got the drone out, gang, for the oh, video. Yeah. I mean, come on. So, yeah, you guys haven't seen this yet, so... So that's the building, yeah, the big building is the one that houses all the kids. The middle one is the school building. Yeah, this is the big one. That metal building that's kind of rounded, that's where the indoor basketball court is. It's huge in there. It's a farmland, and then there's nursing home around it, so... Uh... That's awesome. Yeah, and so, um, so uh, like I said, they've got a business plan, and it was uh, interesting. We came across some other business plans because we wanted to see, like, hey, I mean, you can project numbers, but how do these numbers actually stack up versus other people who have done something similar on a smaller scale? And uh, as we compared with some different counties and that, their, their numbers are all right online. And so it's, it was just absolutely amazing. And so uh, you started something called Fresh Start. And so just talk to me just a little bit about just kind of the, the vision behind doing this on a bigger scale, what you guys would like to see. Amen. Wow. Fresh Start Now um, is truly the, um, the name. It's a fresh start for kids that think that their world, had, has, their world has ended. You know, um, foster care, you know, has a bad, you know, rap that says, you know, no one cares about you, you're, you're treated differently than the other kids and, and all of these things, but it's so far from the truth. Um, there are really good um, people out there that care for those, and the Bible talks about taking care of the strangers, orphans, and widows, you know, and, um, and truly, that's what we do. We take care of those that, we have a kid that lost both their parents, they, they passed away, and um, then we have another. We had another kid that um, was taken away from their mom through neglect and abuse, and um, and unfortunately, th- the way they found out about it is because the kid wasn't going to school, 
So then they investigated and realized that the mom was on drugs and so on and so forth. So they took um, the child, a couple of the kids out, all of the kids out. And um, so he was hoping once he get 18, of course, these kids, regardless of whatever they have gone through or they've been through, they still want to be connected to their family, and which is rightfully so. Um, so while we had him, um, his mom actually passed away. And that was so um, devastating to him because he feels like it, if it wasn't for him not going to school, they would have never found out. Even though the situation he was in was bad, he just, you know, they can't think that far. You know, they just look at it as, oh, it's my fault, you know. Um, but we loved on him. We loved on him and, and we continue to love on him. He calls me like every day. <laughs> um, unfortunately, when he turned 18 out of and you know got out of the foster care system, he um, committed a crime and he's in prison right now. Um, so he's been, he served about four years, he gets out in May. Um, but he calls me every day from prison and, and, um, and he calls me mom and, and you know, we t I encourage him and tell him that you, know, you haven't been forgotten about. I'm telling you, when these people go to prison, um, they feel so forgotten about, they feel unworthy, they feel hopeless, they feel you know, like no one cares. You know, um, it's the environment that they're in. And, um, but we do care. You know, we do love him, and um, and he's have high hopes. And um, what happens is, once they graduate, and this is another thing that came um, um, came up when we was talking. Um, not only is Fresh Start now going to take care of those that are in foster care, but it's going to take care of those that graduate uh, or or age, uh, out. age, age out, out, yeah, you know. age out of foster care, because there's not a lot of programs that have that that is in place for that. So we want to help them as well, because when you're 18, who was 18 and knew everything? You know, 18, we're still learning life. You know, we're still, you know, learning our boundaries, you know. And 40%, um, if you can think about that number in Ohio, 40% ends up homeless. And, um, and, that, and then also, if they're, if they're not homeless, they're either, um, some of them are in prison. You know, um, and they did a study, a worldwide study, um, well, not a worldwide, but a statewide study on the kids and um, foster care and what happens. So Fresh Start Now is going to give them a fresh start, give them a hope um, to let them know that they can, um, there's um, survival, you know, you, there, there's help, you know, there's a um, loving community. Um, it takes a village, right, to take to train and, and love on these kids yeah. and then um, help them also outside of being 18 once they age out. Yeah, if, you, if you think of your life in, uh, as a whole, you, I, I kind of like to look at my life as a tree. And, and, and on a normal life, you might see a few branches that are broken on that tree. But when you look at a kid that's uh, in the system, every last one of their branches is broken. So it's a tree that has broken limbs on each one. So what we do is we, our vision is to repair those, help repair those branches that are broken, to give them some structure of what a family is. Uh, as you said, that aging out is an issue here in Ohio. They, they did a thing on Channel, on Channel 6 News, I believe, about kids that are aging out of foster care, and there was really not an answer for that. And they go, can you imagine at 18, the door opening, and your mom and dad say, there you go, you're a man or you're a woman, and you gotta figure it all out. That, that part is very difficult for these young men 
to maintain. It would have been difficult to meet for me without any type of uh, help or support system. So what we, we, our vision is really to become that family as an organization for these young men that are, age, that, that are in foster care, that age all the way out of foster care, that they can still say, that's my family. My boys to this day, that's the thing that, that, that sticks in their heart the most, that they have a family. And, and where their family may have been broken, that bridge has been, that, that branch has been repaired through my, my wife's life and my life. Uh, with him. I became dad. She became mother. And that's a commitment that we made for life with this young man. And that's the, that's the heartbeat, one of the heartbeats of our, uh, our of Fresh Start Now is to become a lifelong family member for these young men. Yeah, even in the small things, you were talking about how um, one of your boys, he, uh, you know, the tires blew out in his car and didn't know how to change them, didn't know where to go buy them. And like, you know, I had someone to call and yeah. walk them through and you came, you took him, you got, got tires like any dad would. And so I just love the vision of taking what God has been doing on a small scale and they're going to grow it. And so uh, they're going to start with uh, five boys and then they're going to be fruitful before they're multiply. So they're going to start with five boys and they're going to add another five and they're going to continue to grow it. And uh, the thing, Derek is licensed to be able to train his hire and train his own staff so he can actually train them in the, in the ways that he does it. And so um, I, I just think it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe just finish this sentence. You can use more than one sentence. Uh, when a boy starts with Fresh Start Home, Fresh Start Now, his life will start to look like? I think his life will start to look very hopeful. Yeah. See, hope is something that, that is missing in their life. Mm-hmm. We all know faith is what the substance of things hope for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So without hope, they have no idea of success for their life. So when they come here, the first thing, that, the one thing that we want to echo throughout every employee, throughout every partner, is that this is a beacon of hope for your life. And we want them not only to hear it, but to feel it. And, and, and the, from the feeling point is the heart level. And once you know it in your heart, you can live that thing out. We have boys come into our home right now. We call, I call it the, uh, the, uh, the suitcase or bag day. They'll come in, they'll carry everything they, that they think is important to them. No matter where we're going, we'll say, we're going to the, to the grocery store. They'll grab their sack. We're going to the church. They'll grab their bag. But something happens when it becomes Because hope. they don't know where they're next. They, they could be they, carted off somewhere. And, yeah, no. they, they, that, they're used to that. They're used to picking up and going, picking up and going. They're not, look, they're, they're not used to having a family, someone that can say, I'm coming back to. So the, the moment that they come, become comfortable where they'll leave their sack at home, I call it sack day. And, I, <laughs> and I'll stop them maybe a week later. I'll say, hey, man, I remember when it was sack day for you. And they're like, what are you talking about? The day you put down your sack. And That's then beautiful. they think about it. Because think about it, your sons and daughters doesn't pick everything that they think is valuable and go out the door with you because they know that they're coming back home. They, first of all, they're coming back to home. Yeah. So when they, when they start to uh, visualize and internalize that this is home, tells me that we created a, a place of safety and where safety, they let down their guards. And when their safety they start to turn their grades around educationally. Everything starts to turn around just like 
our normal family would when we know the first thing we create is safety for our children. It's beautiful. And so we're sitting there at a breakfast a couple weeks ago, and uh, you guys just began sharing this. And what clicked in my head, if you remember, uh, you probably don't remember this, but um, August 2016, I did a vision message. And one of the things I talked about is how we would be doing um, businesses and ministries that would help those most at risk. I specifically named Girls Coming Out of Human Trafficking, which, by the way, um, that Freeman house that we started, someone donated that five-bedroom house. We've been refinishing it. Um, screening tenants, and people will be ready to move in here in just a, just a couple weeks. So very exciting about that. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned girls coming out of human trafficking. I mentioned the developmentally disabled, but I specifically mentioned foster care, especially when um, uh, the kids are testing or aging out of it at age 18. I actually prophesied this 15 months ago that this would be something that our church would be part of. So as they're talking, this thing just began stirring within me. And uh, the Normandy project, that, that building that we want to buy downtown, it's just not on the table right now. The, the people, they came back to us. We made a counter offer, and they've just ignored us. They are acting like they want nothing to do with us. And so I don't know what's going on there, but I feel like we've got to be faithful with the step that's in front of us. And so I can't worry about that when we've got such a unanimous yes from our leadership on this and uh, just feeling such a connection. And so the building really doesn't need much work. Um, it, it, it may need five, $6,000 worth of work. It needs a, a couple of new windows and a good cleaning. It's ready to go. They've got places that can donate all the furniture. And so um, we really need it. We need $150,000 in 15 days. <laughs> you got a contract for so long. And so here's the good news is we've got about $32,000 already without ever asking anybody. And so we're already more than 20% of the way there. And so we need, uh, we need the rest of the money. And so, you know, I'm not asking for any, any glory pride. I'm not asking to build a statue of myself or something like that. We're, we're talking about changing boys' lives, but actually changing generations because these kids are headed down a hopeless path, and now they're going to start families. They're going to be fathers because they've, they've been fathered. And so um, sometimes, gang, you just got to move at the speed of God. You know, sometimes we move quickly, and uh, when Pickerington, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that campus, we have a second campus, if you don't know that. When that came across to us, um, we had to move quickly on that because they couldn't pay their bills. They couldn't afford to pay a pastor. We came in, caught them up, did all that stuff. But from the time that they talked to me to the time I stood in the pulpit as their pastor, I think was 17 days. And so that, you know, guys, stuff doesn't move that quickly. There's been other times where John and Beth, our missionaries of Uganda, it was an eight-year process of getting them ready. So sometimes God moves fast, sometimes he moves slow. Um, this is one of those times where it needs to happen fast. It needs to happen in 15 days. And so, um, so that's where we're at. I was praying this morning, I got uh, 1 Corinthians 16.9. There's a wide door open for a great work here. There's a wide door open for a great work here. Gang, that's where we're at. And so... We have shared vision message after vision message. I can't do any more vision message without taking action. And so we've been able to with the Freeman House, but this is an opportunity not for us to just, to just give money. But, I mean, we're talking about sending our Sozo team in there to help these kids encounter God. We're talking about, you know, sending our CSSM students to do chapel services. We're talking about, you know, anyone play basketball? Man, they're going to need people for that. And just youth ministry. And just so many ways that we're looking to, to partner with this couple and not just write them a check and and get a newsletter. This is something that we're, we're pushing our chips in on this one and looking to really make a difference in our city. And uh, we just did the declaration, throne room answers to city problems. Gang, this is it. The, the foster care system, they need answers. 
And so, um, so that's where we're at. And so before I get into some of the specifics, you guys got anything else? You, I mean, you don't have to, but do you have anything that you're just kind of like, hey, I wanted to say this? Yeah, go ahead. I wanted to say um, um, God is awesome, and he, nothing can stop, you know, hit the will of the Lord in your life. And um, I'm from New York. You may have picked my accent up, but um, I've been here about 14 years now, so <laughs> it's kind of um, hidden a little bit. Um, but uh, I'm a World Trade Center survivor, and I worked at um, Building One. And um, God, you know, orchestrated me um, not to be harmed um, during that time. And um, when I think back, it's still like last year, I remember I was preaching um, the service, 9-11, because it fell on a Sunday. And I wept throughout the whole service. And I just realized how much, how still it has, you know, affected me. Because um, two years later after that, I, I moved. <laughs> I came here to, New, to Ohio. Um, but God, and I, I was just thinking about it, and I was like, wow, God just kept my life. You know, um, I just turned 40 this year, and, um, and he's keeping us for a purpose, for a reason, for something bigger than what we, we know. And, um, and I just wanted to just really share that because um, uh, my husband and I, we have not had kids. We've been trying. You guys pray for us. Amen. But... Um, I just know that um, that these kids um, need love. They yeah. they need love from people that um, that look at them as human beings, even though they have made mistakes and they may not be the the perfect kid, um, uh, but they need love. and um, And I I believe that God um, spared my life for such a time as this. And um, so we good, all have time. been spared for such a time as this. Yeah. yeah. So good. Man, that just, I got to hold back tears just hearing that. Because I know the passion behind what she's saying. I know that it's real. Um, the thing that I want to share really is um, these young men that come in uh, to the system, they remember each and every person that touched their life. They'll remember if they if you if you used to hold the door open for them and you're not there, they'll remember it because they're used to relationships being taken. So when they see somebody that adds to their life, they look forward to that encounter with that individual. And and the thing that's really broken about our system now is if a child uh, does well in this institution, they'll move him far to another one and he had to start all over. And all those relationships are severed that he once enjoyed. And then he'll begin to get new relationships and then those are severed. So he's constantly moving or she's constantly moving. So it's like, why even try to create a new relationship? If I get a new, if I get a worker, they, the workers switch over a lot. Some are promoted, some go to a different thing. So, okay, by the way, you got a new worker today. So I gotta tell my whole story to a new person. And I've been told this story to 10 different people. So then they start getting frustrated, like nobody cares. So the first time that they realize that somebody cares, they, they connect with that person and they begin to grow. And, and as you said, 
uh, about coming over with the worship team, you'll be surprised how important this is to these young men. Uh, we take boys that, that are not in our house. We, we, just, we just gather them all together. We take them to church. Other foster parents, oh, he's not going to do well in church. That's your opinion. I know my God. Yeah. Our bring them back, snot nose, weeping. Your son got saved. And they want to get baptized. <laughs> he got what? The one that used to set things on fire, he did what? Well, the Lord set his heart on fire is what I'm telling you. <laughs> you got a new Billy coming home. But, but if they don't do anything to keep that fire burning, that fire goes out. So I can only tell them to bring your son. I can't, I can't make them bring him. Are you with me? So, so part of the broken thing is that you have lovers of the Lord, and then you have some that just doing their own thing. But what, what if we made God the center or the magnificent obsession of everything that we do? It would, ch- okay. it would radically change the whole system. They tell me, Pastor, you can't force Jesus on nobody. You can't force me to stop living like Jesus. You can't stop me from loving like Jesus. So you can never stop the gospel if we're the living epistles. And I take the word, just like Jesus, he was the word that was made flesh and dwelt among them. What if I take the written word and live it out and allow my life to burn for them in front of them? They're going to behold who he is in my life, and they're going to want to be like that. And it happens every time. Whether it happens in my home or two years down the road, I get that call. You are right. I know God is always right. Amen. He's never wrong. He, he, yeah. he, he, has, he, will, he withhold nothing good. And, and if we live that life, I will hold nothing good from this young man. Amen. So good. Hey, Jed, if you could come up and help us uh, walk through some of the mechanics here. But uh, one of the things is they don't want to just have one home. Uh, Eventually, they want to do north, south, east, and west all around Columbus and begin to make this a model for how how things get done. So let's welcome Jed. Hey. Yeah, so, um, you know, Jim asked me to talk about how this hit me first and then kind of talk about some of the mechanics. Jed's on our finance team, so you've been carrying this for weeks with us here. Yeah, and so, um, you know, when I first heard it, uh, first, I was like, whew, that's fast. Um, but that's usually my normal reaction. I'm an accountant. I'm, I'm <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, the thing that hit me is, is that how can we not do this? And that's it. I mean, it just, it's like, what? if not this, then what are we doing? That's what I thought for myself. And, uh, and that was even before hearing all this. And after I heard all this, it was just like, Y'all don't know that this is going to happen no matter what. Mm-hmm. We can either be a part of it or not. <laughs> I mean, that's really where it's at. And, um, you know, so, uh, so it's, it's been amazing just to, to, to hear the heart and, and everything behind it. And, and we're talking about changing lives and, and you know, really um, helping two individuals that have just such an amazing vision for what it looks like when 
God invades a system that's broke. And, uh, and that's what this is. And so, uh, you know, like Jim said, you know, we have, what, what did you say, 17 days? We have 17 days to, to, to raise. Sorry, 15. 15. Sorry, <laughs> see, it gets quicker every time. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, to, to raise $150,000. And so um, we're, we're going to co-labor with these two individuals. And, uh, and, yeah. uh, That's good. and so let me know. I'm going to tell you what that looks like. That looks like um, we need you all to pray. And, and to seek the Holy Spirit yeah. about, about giving to this. So we as Zion are going to uh, raise money for this. And um, there's different ways that you can give, much similar to the ways that you can give just for their normal giving, right? You can give by check. We've got um, envelopes in the thing, you know, just put in the memo. Uh, we'll do fresh start in the memo, right? Yeah, perfect. And, uh, and, and certainly you can give by uh, the app and the credit card. We're going to have a place for that as well. But I, I want to make, make you realize, because we're talking about large dollars here, is, is that every time you give by a credit card, we, we have to pay the processor. That's how that works, right? And so, you know, if you're going to be giving, you know, certainly we're not going to turn down any gift and, and that sort of thing. But, but just take that into consideration. If you're giving $1,000, $2,000, just recognize that we get charged 3 to 4% on that. And so... You know, for me, if I was listening to the Holy Spirit and he told me a number and I was going to do it by, by debit card or something like that, I would want to make sure that the number the Lord gave me got to where it was supposed to go. Um, that's just me. And certainly we're not saying to go into debt or anything like that for this. You know, certain, you know people use those sort of things just to facilitate. It makes it easy for them. That's fine. Um, another way that, uh, that certainly that you can give is, is that, you know, some people have, um, we are going to start being able to receive stock. And so um, there are some really tax advantage ways that you can give away or you can donate appreciated stock. Um, and if you don't know about that or if you're interested in that, just see me directly. I can kind of talk you through what that means and how that works and everything like that. Um, but it's a, it's a good opportunity to be able to do something uh, in, a, in, a, in a good way in a, in, and give towards such a, such a great um, cause, uh, but do it, really, do it really efficiently. So, and I think the plan is, that certainly we're going we're gonna to do something today. Do you want to take it from here as far as? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, we really want people to pray. And so, I mean, I don't carry a check around with me. And so, you know, we, I recognize a lot of people are going to need some time. But we really want you to just seek the Lord on this thing. We're not strong-arming anybody. We're not doing anything like that. But I am asking you to get uncomfortable. You know, uh, for some people, $20 is uncomfortable. Um, for some, 1000 is not uncomfortable. And I'm asking you guys, we're, we need to go all in on this thing. This is, I'm feeling this so strong. I feel like this is one of those open doors that we've got to walk through as a staff. We've been vision, vision, vision for years. And it's like, man, this is, this is a giant leap forward for us to do this. And so I'm asking you to pray and get uncomfortable. Be in agreement with your spouse. Just, you know, the way it works in the Baker house, whoever's got the higher number wins. So <laughs> that's how we've always done it. And so... Um, uh, which is scary <laughs> for Mary. It's usually me, but anyway. Um, so this is what we're after here. And so some of you, if you're ready to give today, great. I know there's people you set aside money and you're just waiting for the right opportunity. You can do that. Others of you, you need to go pray. You need to talk with your spouse. You need to uh, just see what that looks like. Just seek the Lord on this. And so um, between this week and next week, I'd love to have the money raised. So actually, we need 118 is really what we need, right? Is that 150 minus 32? Yep. And so um, 
we, uh, that's where we're at. So we need 118,000, and they can start January. Like, like, we don't have to wait a long time for this. They can have five kids in January, and because we just need to replace a couple windows, give it a good cleaning, get the furniture in there and stuff. And so uh, that's what's exciting. It's not like, okay, 18-month renovation. No, no, no. It, we're, it's ready to start changing lives in January. And so um, uh, if we could have the ushers and usherettes come forward. It's good to see so many usherettes in here. It's, it's, and so if you're ready to give today, I'm asking you to give. If you're not ready to give, I'm asking you to pray. I really am. And uh, you're going to want to be a part of this. You know, it's just what, what God is doing here. Again, I, I would just ask that anybody here, you give something at some point. It doesn't have to be today. But again, $20 is $20, man. If that's, if that's uncomfortable for you, do that. But um, just seek the Lord. Are we good? So as you guys are uh, getting ready to give, let me just read this verse over you. If you could uh, pop it up on the screen, it's Isaiah 61. And let me just, uh, let me just explain the sequence. It starts with uh, people who are carrying the empowering presence of God. So listen to this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. But then there comes a big change through these people who are carrying it through the proclamation of the gospel. Listen to this. To bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Okay, so now these transformed people, I want you to watch what happens, okay? This is, this is the message we're bringing to these kids. Watch what happens now. To grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Okay, it gets a little crazier here. Um, these people who have been transformed, now they begin to transform the city. Verse 4, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. I mean, come on, is this verse written for this or yeah. what? Listen to this. Others in the community begin to hear what these transformed people are doing to transform the city. Verse 5, strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. And then the city officials begin to recognize what's happening here. Verse 6. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in, your glo- in their glory you shall boast. Oh my God. I mean, come on. If that's not what we're about, Hallelujah. that's what we're about. And so, um, Jed, you got something? You're going to give us the Hebrew meaning of something? Is that what yes, something? that's no, that is definitely not what I'm going to do. Um, so the, for the app, it is not up there as of yet. So, and the reason why is because Lindsay, who always takes care of that for us, is in England. So all that is to be said, if you're going to give by credit card or something like that, just hold on to that number the Holy Spirit gave you, and we'll have, we'll have it up. And, and again, we're going to be giving a week anyway, so maybe continue yeah. to pray, and he might change that number. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And uh, Lord, we bless Derek and Shatisha. Lord, just uh, fathers and mothers in this city. And uh, Lord, we just are thankful that we get to be the ones who partner with them. So Lord, we just look forward to the change of lives. And I ask you right now to speak clearly to hearts. Anyone who has a fear, that is not the Lord. (laughs) 
Uh, those who are just afraid to even ask God, that's not God. Lord, I just break off any fear, any withholding. Hallelujah. And uh, I just challenge our people to go on an adventure with you. To see what you will do when we partner to take care of the least, the most forgotten, the most at-risk people in our society. Thank you, Lord. All right, ushers, go get them. And for the offering, I'm actually going to sing a song. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm just oh. kidding. So. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Lord, help us all. Was that good today, guys, or what? It was so good. Well, I told you you were going to fall in love with them. They're, uh, they're easy to love. So uh, as the plates are going, if you guys could stand. And uh, is, is Rob Rue still here? Did I see? Where is he at? There he is. Councilman Rue, come on up. Come on up here. So uh, elections were on Tuesday, and he was the highest vote getter in Springfield. And so, uh, congratulations, Councilman. Thank you. So, thank, uh, you. thank you very much. And so, uh, I mean, it's funny because I've been calling him Mayor Rue for years before he ever even thought about <laughs> running for anything. So, very exciting. Congratulations on that. Thank you and so, so much. it was a landslide, actually. It was. It was uh, 29%. There was three, ele- four, three elected out of four people. So, I got 29% of the vote, and then 20, the other two got 26 that got in. So, really want to appreciate the support that I got here from my family at Zion. Huge, huge support, prayer support, financial support, the whole thing, and just really, it encouraged me to go all the way, and I've said this in the beginning, I told Jim that I don't know if I would have stepped into this if God didn't bring us to this place at Zion and just learn what we've learned here, so I don't know if I would have taken this step in our family, so just want to God bless you and thank you for sowing into a community that you're not really reaping from yet. That's good. Why don't you just close us out in prayer? Father, I just thank you so much for what you're doing in this city, God, in Ohio. And I ask that you would continue to burn through the hearts of these people here, God, with your plans and with your purpose, God. I thank you for the testimony you've heard today of your heart, God, reaching this state, God. And I just ask that you would just blow up with great revival strength in our communities, Lord. We just bless you and we thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bless Bless you guys, ministry teams.